Hi there, I'm Ken Krause, and I'm one of the voices of our Feisty Little Snap Sessions podcast. Together with interviewer, writer, and commentator Doug Nunn and techmeister Marshall Brown, we produce the mix of politics, comedy, and interviews that is Snap Sessions. Maintaining the good ship SS Snap Sessions... Isn't free. Expenses include our website hosting, Zoom Pro account, transcription services for interviews, and other things that keep our podcasts snapping. If you enjoy our quirky show, we'd like to ask you to become one of our Snap supporters. We've even added some membership levels to make it easier for you to join our Snap family through our Patreon link at patreon.com forward slash snap sessions. To help us produce our monthly antidote to the media madness, you can join our support team as a baby snapper for just $1 a month. For only $3 a month, you can become a snip snapper. We also have our existing levels of support through Patreon with the Mighty Mini Snapper at $5 a month, the Simple Snapper at $10 a month, the Beefy Big Snapper at $20 a month, and for $35 a month, you can become an exalted Snappus Maximus. And for those of you wishing to make a one-time gift to our Snappy Cause, we now have a Buy Me a Coffee account at buymeacoffee.com forward slash snap sessions. You can contribute as much as you are able to whenever you can. All our Snap supporters will receive credit on our website, thesnapsessions.com. For those who contribute at the upper levels, there are special rewards, such as credit on the podcast, early access to the episodes, unedited transcripts of the interviews, access to special music, and more surprises. Links to all support levels are on our website at thesnapsessions.com. And please know that we appreciate any support you can give. And we appreciate you listening to our Snaptastic offerings. We are grateful to you as listeners and hope you will help us keep making Snap Sessions a part of your auditory input. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Snap Sessions, a podcast that looks at international artists and their creative pursuits, as well as interesting articles and broadcasts across the political spectrum. My name is Doug Nunn. I'm joined by voiceover colossus Ken Krause, by our behind-the-scenes techmeister Marshall Brown, and by our artist-activist of the show, the tattoo artist of Triangle Tattoo and Museum, Mr. G, Nikki Needles, and Nicola Bates. Support for Snap Sessions is brought to you by listeners who contribute generously at our link, patreon.com forward slash snap sessions, or through the link in the Snap Sessions website, thesnapsessions.com, and also the link in our show notes. Thanks to our Snappus Maximus contributors, Ron Hooksprung and Rick and Henny Newman. And to our supportive snappers, Ellen Athens, Peter and Sheila Jowers, Kathy White, Dominique Jowers and John Bird, Gabriel Geiger, and Christine Samus. Other contributors include Steve Weingarten and Jerry Shook. These supporters help keep Snap Sessions snapping. Join the Snap Sessions family. And a half of top-notch entertainment. A Snap Sessions tribute. This 
is your story, Al Dunsey. Laughter is from what comedy great Mel Brooks calls one of the funniest moments in television history. It's a sketch called This Is Your Story, a parody of a popular television show of the time called This Is Your Life from the fabulous Your Show of Shows. The bit went on for over 10 minutes and the studio audience never stopped laughing. This was par for the course for Your Show of Shows, one of the most successful television shows of the 1950s. Your Show of Shows was a live 90-minute variety show and is consistently cited as one of the greatest television shows of all time. It was broadcast weekly in the United States on NBC from February 25th, 1950 through June 5th, 1954 and featured Sid Caesar, Imogene Coca, Carl Reiner, Howard Morris, and Bill Hayes. Your show of shows and the Sid Caesar Hour that followed it had what may have been the greatest stable of comedy writers in showbiz history, a group that included Mel Brooks, Neil Simon, and Carl Reiner. Eventually, a young comedian named Woody Allen would also join the team. The show originated as the second half of a two-hour umbrella show, Saturday Night. The first portion was hosted by comedian Jack Carter in Chicago, and the remainder was telecast from the Center Theater in New York City. It was the brainchild of Pat Weaver, who also created both the Today Show... Today, January 14, 1952, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. ...and the Tonight Show... From New York City, the National Broadcasting Company presents Tonight, starring Steve Allen... For NBC. The Chicago portion of Saturday Night was canceled at the end of the 1950-51 season, and the replacement was the 90-minute comedy Tour de Farce, your show of shows. The program starred one of the wackiest performers in comedy history and an epic ham, Sid Caesar. He was originally from Yonkers, New York, where his parents ran a sandwich shop while Sid was growing up. The restaurant was consistently filled with immigrants ordering lunch, and Caesar became proficient at mocking all their accents and imitating a wide variety of languages. Here are Caesar and Howard Morris on your show of shows in one of Mel Brooks's classic skits, the German general. That's my Nicholas Geschmutzig and about the outsiderner to be the soul that say now. That craziness for schmutzigness. Ja, ich hat gewaltet. Ja? Ja. Jetzt gefallen sie dir, mach dir mal, mach meine Nicholas Spick und Spänen. Ja. Gut. Ach, hat die Schlippe von der Schleife jetzt. Gut, mach's so, wie du 
Jean Coca was Caesar's female co-star. She started out in vaudeville as a child acrobat and studied ballet extensively. This training made her a brilliant physical comic and mime, and much of her work with Caesar was silent. As was common for women in the 1950s, she played a lot of stereotypical housewife characters, but she could always make them her own. Here she is as Mrs. Hickenlooper, trying to remember a phone message for her husband. Yet, but I expect him any minute. Can he call you back? Oh, you can't be reached, huh? Well, why don't you give me the message? I'll get a pencil and write it down. All right. There's never a pencil to be had in this house. I don't know what. Hello, I'm sorry I can't find a pencil, but why don't you just tell me the message and I'll remember it, huh? All right. The meeting's been changed from tomorrow night to Thursday night, uh huh. And it won't be at 4256th Street. It will be at 1035 65th Street. Uh-huh. Mike will pick him up on the northeast corner of 27th Street. Between 6 and 615. And if he can't make it, he's to call Bill Johnson at uh, Plaza 7, 6035. Oh, I'll remember it. That's perfect. Bye. Oh. Uh, Hello. Hello, oh, darling boy. Uh, oh, before I forget, listen, I won't be home for dinner tomorrow night because I'm going to a meeting with the boys. Oh, somebody called about that meeting. A uh, Mr. Sweeney. <laughs> or was it Dreeny? <laughs> Sweeney, Weenie, Dreeny. Barton. That's the name. Never heard of him. Message. The meeting's been postponed for a few days, and it's to be at a different place from the other place. And you're to pick up somebody on some corner at some time, and if you can't make it, you're to call somebody at Plaza something. Somebody, sometime, somewhere, somehow, someplace, somewhere, some... Thanks for a perfect message. Now I can get there blindfolded. <laughs> Listen, why can't you get a message straight? I mean, not all those calls are about my lodge meeting. I mean, some of those calls are about business. Why don't you get your business calls at the office? Well, I do sometimes, but sometimes people call before the business hours. Sometimes they call after business hours. So if they do, I tell them to call my home. So why can't you get a message straight? That's all I have to do. I don't do any cleaning or washing or cooking. I just sit around 
and loaf all day. So the least you can do is take a message. Look, it's very simple. When the, when the phone rings, go to the, go to the phone with a pencil and paper, sit down, listen what the person has to say, write it down, and then when I come home at night, you say, darling, here are your messages. Is that so hard? Oh, that's very pretty. All I have to do is sit by the phone with a paper and pencil and say, hello, this is Mr. Burton's residence. Mr. Burton isn't in right now. Do you care to leave a message? Do I look like your secretary? <laughs> no. What do you mean, no? My secretary is, uh, she's kind of tall, and she's got a long blonde, uh, and she's, um, a more... You don't look like it, from the phone to the washing machine, back from the washing machine to the phone. Maybe if I had a little help around here, well, I Well, maybe if you got a few messages straight, I could get to do a little more business, and then we could afford some help around here. Did you ever think of that? Don't you worry. If the message is important, all right, I take all right, it down. All right, but just get it straight. That's all I want you to do. Can't you get a message straight? All right, forget about it. I do get it straight. Forget about it. <laughs> Who is Jack Millstream? <laughs> you mean John Riverwell. <laughs> I thought you said there were no more calls today. Oh, he didn't call today. He called about a month ago. What did he say? He said you were to call him right back. Just in case he's still alive. What's his phone number? Well, I wrote it down. Oh, you do everything naturally, yes, sir. Here we are. That's it. Please call Jim Water Creek. Millstream, Riverwell Water Creek, at Chickering 2630. Oh. Oh. Oh, what? There wasn't any room to write down the other number. Carl Reiner, originator of The Dick Van Dyke Show and a writer-director on a variety of movies, such as George Burns's Oh God. Everybody thinks I'm a nut. Galileo, Pasteur. Einstein, Columbus, you're in good company. And Steve Martin's The Jerk. It was never easy for me. I was born a poor black child. Was part of the on-screen ensemble as well as a key writer. Reiner was a World War II veteran who got his start entertaining the troops in USO shows. On your show of shows, he was part of many routines, both as an actor and a writer, and he was often Sid Caesar's straight man. And so, gentlemen, in conclusion, I think that it is high time that our great corporation expands. And I feel further that this expansion could be expressed in a merger with our largest competitor, Continental Utility. <laughs> gentlemen, 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 we are forgetting one thing. We have a grave responsibility to our stockholders. And by doing this, we are spreading ourselves to paper. And you're talking nonsense, you call it. These stockholders are expanding. Gentlemen! Are forgetting one very important thing? Launch! <laughs> Competing with Sid Caesar for the title of the silliest man on the show was the very excellent, albeit diminutive, Howard Morris. According to Mel Brooks, Morris filled Sid's desire to have someone he could, quote, pick up by the lapels. 
He would go on to be one of the stable of actors on The Andy Griffith Show, where he played Ernest T. Bass. I tried carting old Hog Winslow's daughter, Hoggett. Hoggett? Yeah, he's French. French. <laughs> but on your show of shows, he is likely remembered best for being Uncle Goopy in the This Is Your Story parody. When Uncle Goopy appears, he latches onto Al Dunsey's legs and back, and he won't let go. Brooks, writing in his recent autobiography, All About Me, calls the writers on your show of shows a regular all-star team. Max Liebman brought some of his team of writers in with him, Mel Tolkien and Lucille Kalin. Caesar asked me to supply him with extra material. A few years later, the Simon brothers, Danny and Neil Simon, were added to the staff. When they went to the Sid Caesar Hour, they also added Larry Gelbart, Joe Stein, and Mike Stewart. In the last year of the Sid Caesar Hour, they added another young New York writer, a guy by the name of Woody Allen. Think about that team. Neil Simon is one of the greatest playwrights in American history, author of Barefoot in the Park, The Odd Couple, The Apartment, and many others. Larry Gelbart created the TV version of MASH and co-wrote A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum and Tootsie, to name just a few. Mel Brooks improvised The 2,000-Year-Old Man and wrote and directed movies like Young Frankenstein and Blazing Saddles. The writing staff of your show of shows is the equivalent of the 1927 New York Yankees of comedy writing. Brooks says in All About Me, the writers had to come up with an original script for at least six full-length comedy numbers every week for 39 weeks a year, and it never stopped being stressful. Brooks notes, One of the most difficult things to do in comedy is to come up with a good ending to a scene or a sketch. It's almost impossible to create a great ending to a sketch. We pulled it off at least half the time. We wrote sketches with beginnings, middles, and endings. Little playlets. Everything we wrote was based on the truth. We commented on what was happening in the world at the time. The pressure was not just to be good but to be outstanding. Outstanding, they usually were. Your show of shows was enormously popular, and Sid Caesar was making $5,000 a week by the end of 1952. Just when it looked like Hollywood might lure him away, he was suddenly given a raise to $25,000 a week. 
That's $1 million a year in 1952 dollars. Get your mind around that. Yet getting such stardom so fast took its toll on Caesar. He was drinking heavily, and this problem got worse. Mel Brooks recalls, Over a period of years, television ground him into sausages, one sausage a week, until finally, there wasn't much of the muse left. It was a great run while it lasted. Your show of shows consistently makes numerous best lists from Entertainment Weekly's TV's 10 All-Time Greatest to TV Guide's 50 Greatest TV Shows of All Time to the Writers Guild of America's 101 Best Written TV Series. No matter the pressure, the producers, directors, writers, and cast created a comedy masterpiece. Pretty damn good! Let's wrap up this tribute with the climax of This Is Your Story. And then happiness really came your way. In 1938, you joined the Northern New Jersey Drum and Bugle Call, and here they are! Thanks for listening to Snap Sessions. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us on Patreon. We depend on the support of listeners like you. Hi, I'm here with Mr. G of the Triangle Tattoo, Tattoo Parlor and Museum. This is in Fort Bragg, California. We're actually one of the must-go-to places in our little community. And uh, Mr. G and uh, Chinchilla, his partner, have been here since, I believe, 1986. Correct. And I want to welcome you to Snap Sessions, Mr. Oh, G. Well, it's great you. to have you here. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we've been here since 1986. We were around the corner on Laurel Street for five years. So we've been up here on Main Street for 31 years. And I don't know where the hell the time goes. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is amazing. As you go up the uh, stairs, they have a thin stairway which leads you to the top. There are chock-a-block pictures of all the people you've tattooed over the years yeah. and stuff like that. So. Yeah, that stairway is a patriotic stairway. Oh. And we started that out uh, after 2001. Mm-hmm. After the towers, uh, uh-huh. we had a lot of people getting patriotic tattoos since then, and, uh-huh. and we have a lot of people that were more proud of being in the service after we were attacked. So we have a lot of young people from around here that come back and get their service tattoos or patriotic tattoos, and uh-huh. so that's a whole bunch of them coming up the stairs there. Plus, both our dads were in World War II. Yeah. in the Navy, so uh-huh. we kind of put a little memorial thing at the top of the stairs with them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, where, where were you raised? Mr. I was raised in Indiana, in the oh. middle of nowhere. Oh, yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. So, a, a country boy, originally? or? Oh, yeah, a little small town. Uh-huh. Uh, 1,200 people, it's still 1,200 people. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Are you the only known tattoo artist who has come out of that small town in Indiana? That town, yes. Uh-huh. But, you know, tattooing was illegal when I started tattooing in Indiana, Texas, uh, New York City. A lot of places it was illegal just by conservative local health departments. It was uh-huh. basically people with power didn't like working class people 
having tattoos. They just didn't like the whole idea. Yeah. You know, my dad got a tattoo when he was in the Navy. Yeah. He was in the Korean War. Uh-huh. And from what I remember hearing uh, from dad was he was drunk. It was shore leave in Japan, you know, for the yeah. fighting in Korea and stuff. And he he was so drunk he didn't know exactly what to do. So he got his name in cursive. <laughs> so it just says Don, D-O-N, in cursive on his arm. And then later on, he was embarrassed by having a tat. And, you know, it, it's not one of those things. In those days, it's kind of like his, my mom was kind of conservative and stuff oh, when sure. they got married. The women especially yeah. didn't like her men to have him. Yeah, exactly. So it was one of those kind of things, but... Um, I was always kind of proud of him. Right. <laughs> right. So, what was the name of your hometown? Uh, Williamsport. And it, it was a town that started uh, when it was New France back in the 1600s. It was a port, and then there was it, uh, Native Americans, a lot of Indians, Indiana, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of Indians lived around there, but there was a, a lot of trapping and transportation from the Wabash River. It's a port mm-hmm. on the Wabash River, uh-huh. and it went down to New Orleans to ship uh, mostly pork. They uh-huh. used a lot of beef and pork and mm-hmm. some feet. And then they used the wood from the flatboats mm-hmm. to build New Orleans. Uh-huh. Yeah. Great. It was really good wood. So. Yeah, yeah, sure. So may I ask what year you were born? 50. 1950. 1950. So you got me by two years to work uh-huh. contemporaries, basically. Did you come out of uh, Williamsport? Uh, yes. Uh-huh. Did you come out of there as sort of an alternative guy, or were sure, you? Sure. I mean, were you kind? Did you have artistic impulses as an, at a young age? No, I was more just a rebel. Okay. Uh, and into that Jack Kerouac, uh, uh, Ken Kesey, see the world shit. Uh, a uh-huh. lot of uh, <laughs> acid mushrooms, uh, mescaline, uh-huh. weed. Yeah. Yeah, and just didn't fit into that little town there. <laughs> So I went to college for three years. Where did you go? Um, a Bible college in and near Cherokee, uh, North Carolina, but it was on the Tennessee side near Elizabethton, Tennessee. It was a uh-huh. five thousand students. It was called Milligan College. Uh-huh. It was like a reform school for a lot of people. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> I, my first joint I got from uh, what's that guy that had the cult? Uh, Christian started out Christian, Jones. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Well, yeah, so Brett Bart Jones was his nephew, uh-huh. and they sent him to that school because it was isolated. Uh-huh. They could spy on them. All, they just kind of kept everybody in control. Went to, I smoked weed with the son of the CIA. Uh, <laughs> and the CIA. <laughs> Great. The guy that had the mega church in uh-huh. L.A., uh, uh-huh. Schuler was uh-huh. his name. All right, sure. Yeah, it was Schuler's kid. It was uh-huh. all these... <laughs> politically important people that they were hiding out there so my parents were real conservative yeah so you were corrupted and a corrupter at an early age oh yeah yeah i'm kind of liking that about you (laughs) and um so you're you're heading off to this bible college and presumably that was the late 60s yeah 70s yeah 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 i got kicked out in 70 you got kicked out in 70 now was that because of your uh, kind of uh, attitude towards smoking weed? With, uh, uh, Baptist, you know, there's Baptist, there, because of the ATF. Uh-huh. There was a training oh, yeah. area with North Carolina and uh, Virginia. Mm-hmm. For, they were anti-students back then, uh-huh. so they were training their agents how to control student movements and student stuff. So they had a big sting operation, one of the first ones in the United States. Uh-huh. It was called Operation Impel. 
uh-huh. something like that. But uh, what they did was they themselves entrapped everybody. They had a, a party at uh, Eastern Tennessee University, which is in Johnson City. Uh-huh. They invited all the heads, all the hippies from around uh-huh. there to uh-huh. this party. Uh-huh. And then uh, there was no weed there. It's dry. It's April. There's no weed there. There's no drugs. We're just drinking Ripple wine. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So then they busted us. It was a national news story. Cables that were three inches in diameter to film it live, the whole bust. <laughs> oh my. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. So anyway, I got kicked out of college for that. And, yeah. uh, so much for Bible school. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I so much for Bible studying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then where did you go from there? Were you already, did you, well, did you know, have a notion of tattooing at the time? Or no, you were, not yet. Uh-huh, anyway, uh-huh. so then I, I became a Quaker. Oh, wow. Okay. During that, and, uh, you know, I went to New York City and had draft counseling uh, in New York City. And Just a reminder, uh, Mr. G, born in 1950, would have been facing the draft. Vietnam went on from uh, uh, the uh, 63 or so. We were piling in troops until 74, 73, we were. Right, there. oh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and I had friends that had... Not if not just been drafted, but they volunteered to go in a service to do the Veterans Against the War. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. So I had people in the mm-hmm. late 60s that volunteered to go in to mm-hmm. be with the troops and, you know, get a first-hand thing going on. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I just, you know, I was religious when I went to Bible college. Sure. But the, my religion, didn't. they thought it was okay to kill a commie for Jesus. So yeah. I, I took a different course and... Uh, the Quakers seem to have a good deal on that, and Ellsberg, and uh, yeah. he was one of the people sure, I went yes. to see. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I met John Pine, uh-huh. Bob oh. Seeger, all that shit was going on in New York. Yeah. First, the first Earth Day. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so I was in yeah. an alternative place, and then yeah. I joined a yoga cult, became a Kundalini yogi. Very cool. Yeah. Now, Kundalini, isn't that kind of the sexy side of yoga? Oh, it's pretty naughty. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Marjan was in it. Uh, uh, I was in a cult that was all over the United States and France. It was San Diego, New York City, Woodstock, New York. Uh, Anyway, it was... It was a bunch of sex, uh, uh-huh. I, and uh, I didn't get any of it. I just, <laughs> I was, he says now. He yeah, says no, now. I did not. Uh-huh. You know, I, got, I uh-huh. caught a lot of people, uh, uh-huh. like in food coolers and shit. But, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> you get a bunch of young people living together like that. Was, sure. Yeah. yeah. So then after that, at the end of that, I became interested in construction. After I did my alternative service, which was social work, uh-huh. I worked for the first... Uh, the beginning of Johnson's uh, war on top poverty. Yeah, sure. So uh-huh. I worked in uh, social work with Op- Office of Economic Opportunity. I drove a uh-huh. school bus for the first right. Head Start, uh-huh. Uh-huh. food bank, shit like that. Yeah. But <clears throat> then I worked in a hospital with the Mennonites. Oh, wow. So Was that, this in the Midwest? Yeah, the Mennonites and uh, Mennonites were that town where I did work, but the where I grew up, it's only 30 miles from uh, yeah, Amish. Amish, yes. So I like, grew up 30 miles from mm-hmm. really thick Amish uh, country. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that kind of helped support my uh, thing because my hometown was mm-hmm. uh, not very friendly. I mean, they still remember me as being a pinko coward. So. Sure. <laughs> well, there you go. And, and I'm sure it's correct. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. But, but uh, it, it strikes me then, so you're doing all this alternative right. stuff. And... Um, 
what were you doing any art as such at that well point? I always like to do art you know uh, for high school paper school paper uh, I like to do crazy uh, big daddy Ed Roth uh, kind of t-shirts and stuff uh -huh. where you just use markers and stuff. sure yeah okay uh, and pinstriping cars sign painting on trucks uh-huh but most of the craft, craft type stuff, I always worked. I had to work. So as always, if I could squeeze work in, I took a, I uh, worked for a sign painter one summer yeah. and uh, yeah. learned some skills. But yeah, the art was not that lucrative, I guess uh -huh. is a good word. Yeah, right. So then I moved to Cincinnati for the, uh, one of those ashrams moved to Cincinnati. Okay, cool. And uh, we started out a construction company because they were buying these beautiful old mansions in uh, Cincinnati uh -huh. and making uh, collectives or communes out of them. And uh, so I was remodeling those. And then we had an old restaurant there called Mecklenburg's Gardens. It was from uh -huh. before the Civil War. Oh, great. And it was still standing, and we renovated that. Uh, so I had a construction company, and uh, I was getting drunk on. I like bluegrass music forever. Uh huh. So I, there I was, always like bluegrass. Uh, so there's a below the Rhine or whatever the hell they call. I used to call it hillbilly town because uh -huh. all the people that moved up from Appalachia uh -huh. to work in the factories yeah. went down there to party. And there was two or three really cool bars down there. And I got a little bit drunk, <clears throat> like your father. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm wandering around, and I, I was always told never get a tattoo, right? My mom was, yeah. yeah. So, sure enough, I go by my first tattoo shop. I, it was closed, so I showed up. I didn't know what their hours were, so I was down there at 8 o'clock in the morning. They didn't come in until about noon. Yeah. And they came in on these choppers. Uh-huh. I didn't know it at the time, but they were both gunsmiths and engravers, so they both had 38s tucked in the belt buckle and long uh -huh. hair. Uh-huh. And I go, shit, this is for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a couple tattoos. Uh, Do you remember, what was your first tat? Uh, you know, the Rolling Stones were into Tattoo You, and uh, yeah. uh, all the girls were, and guys, were, it was real sexy to get a rosebud, you know? Uh-huh. Uh -huh. It looks like a vagina. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I thought, oh, I, I'm kind of... Horny guy, I'll get one of those just to remind me of what my mission is. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and then I had a big dragon put on my thigh. Uh -huh. right. So you got two at once. Two and two, two. one in two days. One uh -huh. each day. And yeah. that what year was for that? Seventy three, seventy six, somewhere in there. Okay, I can't remember. Great. Okay. Yeah, right when I was getting divorced from my first marriage. <laughs> yeah. Now, did you know at that time? Did you think I want to do this too, or was it? Was I it, did. It hit I, you right off. I was really into the alternative lifestyles, you know. Uh huh. So I moved to Seattle. And I became a carpenter in the Carpenters Union up there, and they were rebuilding the Pike Place Market oh, at yeah. the time. There were two tattoo shops there. So, sometime, and I lived in a flop house down there on First Avenue, which is all hotsy totsy now. Right. Yeah, it's like uh, yeah. always those bad parts of town become the Soho or whatever. Yes, cool. Oh, well, it was fun to be there. Cause yeah, now, Cito, this is just a reminder for generally. It takes a hard-working artist guy living in semi-squalor. 20 years later, it's a hip place to hang out. <laughs> and those property values are way up. Right. And Mr. G was one of those guys who was present at the creation. Just Right, saying. right. And uh, it was a cool place because mm -hmm. some of the old uh, the bars that had the, the paddles and the thatch and stuff in there. And mm -hmm. like a, there was 
of one called the Seafarer right across the street from it. Uh-huh. And it was built in the 40s and 50s. And uh, the Longshoreman Union was above it. Okay. And the Merchant Marines was there. Mm-hmm. And anyway, that was cool to go there. Lots of drunks and shit. And, uh, but I worked in the market. And sometimes I was too late to make my own breakfast. So they had these little, little places you could grab one light bulb from a string place you could get bacon and eggs real cheap yeah. and a really strong coffee. So there was this tattoo artist that come in, and, and uh, his name was Danny Dansel. <clears throat> and he had a pen, one of those pencil mustaches like Cab Calloway and a fedora hat that was painted in automotive freckled paint, you know? Oh, great. With canary feathers in it. And then he had lost his voice box from uh, smoking. So he had an ascot there, and then he had one of those electric vibrator things. Uh-huh. So if you talk to him, he went, nah, meh, meh, meh. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I was fascinated with him, uh-huh. you know, because the tattoos and stuff. So the, the, between those t- two shops, I actually remodeled three tattoo shops in that market when I was working in the okay. construction there. Uh-huh. So I got to see that stuff a little bit, but I didn't get any tattoos. Uh, but I was fascinated with. I met Chinchilla. She lived down here. Okay, great. So this is right. Mr. T's partner, Chinchilla. Did you meet her in Seattle? I knew we had mutual friends. Okay. And I met her once before. We went. To, I went to Disneyland and got kicked out. You know, <laughs> for smoking weed. I didn't know. Inevitably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't believe uh, it. Yeah, I'm kicked uh, out of Disneyland by uh, Donald Duck and Cinderella. <laughs> Goofy was there too. Anyway, <laughs> and he really he really strong arms you. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, they scared the shit yeah. out. <laughs> so we met Chinchilla, who's for real name is Karen, uh, years ago, uh-huh. and then uh, this is about ten years later. Uh, I went to Nicaragua as a, a construction brigade for and was there. When I came back, I just got tired of paying my taxes to kill fucking starving farmers in the mountains, right? Right. Uh, tax money's going to that. I'm going to just quit. So I dropped out, and I moved down here to be an uh, alternative grower. <laughs> yes, sure, sure, sure. Chinchilla, as I recall, uh, her family, her brother, uh, Max, right. grew really outstanding weed. Right. And Chinchilla was also a part of that, too. Right. And as I recall, I went to a, a weed tasting at their place, Ran around 1979 or 80. Yeah. And, you know, the classic thing is once you take a one toke off of about five killer, you know, examples of weed, you are not going to be able to get through all ten. <laughs> and so it turned out that they, they, grew, they grew some great stuff. Uh, right. Max right. and Chinchilla did. So. Right. Anyway, you were yeah, talking no, that's about cool. so, getting to know each other. Well, I get here. Camp goes really big. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yes, exactly. So that never went anywhere when I was involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was a, a, it was kind of a freaky thing. But so I decided when I moved down here, I wanted to do something with art, mm-hmm. and because uh, you know it's something I'd always had in the back of my mind. And I go, well, there are people painting seagulls and stained glass and stuff. I guess I went for something wild, and I always wanted to have a Harley too, mm-hmm. but Seattle was too wet. Yeah, yeah. slip. Yeah, yeah, like just rust away on you, yeah, which it yeah. does here too. But. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I got interested in tattooing and it took me uh, just a couple months to hook up with a teacher. So 
So that's what you do is take apprenticeships, right? Back uh -huh. then. Uh -huh. And who was your uh, teacher? My teacher was Bert Rodriguez. He'd been tattooing since the mid 60s. And he still tattoos. He's wow. 80 years old right wow. now. Uh -huh. And uh, anyway, so he took me under his wing. And the cool thing about that is you learn everything traditionally the way it was. Like sign painters do that. And there's fun stuff that happens along the way. Like they show you all these things and you do all this stuff. And then they, it's baptism by fire. Yeah. I, so I was in his place tattooing or watching him tattoo. And he's tattooing this fucking giant biker, right? Mm -hmm. And tattooing his back. And the guy's hitting schnapps and chasing with some beer and big dip of tobacco. I show him laying on. And I'm, he says, okay, motherfucker. Uh, he drops the machine on this guy's back. It says, just do it. And don't bother me. I'm going out there and I'm going to change the transmission in that car. <laughs> don't come out there and bother me. Uh -huh. Which made me sweat bullets. And you know, I'm going, wait, wait, before you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Is am I doing this right? Hey, wait. Uh -huh. And uh, it was, yeah, baptism by far. So I've talked to some old timers. That's the way they were taught, too. They, they were surprised. You don't know at the time, but the person getting a tattoo is a good friend of your teacher. Uh -huh. And they're just volunteering to be a guinea pig for you. Yeah. And, uh, and he'll fix up anything you screw up. But it's, you can only learn doing it really on a person. Yeah. You know, you, can you envision that first tap that you did? did you, can you see what you did? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I was, you know, uh, there was a, a lot of things already laid out with the outlines. So mm -hmm. it was like rendering, uh, filling in, oh, doing see. shadowing and colors and stuff. Uh -huh. And so I'm doing that and I'm terrified because I don't know this guy. Yeah. And he goes, I don't know what the hell you're doing, but uh, you aren't doing it right because it doesn't hurt. Well, I was too afraid to hurt somebody. Uh -huh. <laughs> Uh -huh. He said, you're wasting your time. And so uh, he, I tried a little hard. And just pushing the ink under the skin, you have to really, you can't just skip across. Right. So I was pushing it in. And, and he goes, oh, that feels better. I think you're doing okay now. Just relax. Great. And so that was my first one. Of course, you're always nervous. I still get nervous tattooing. It's like going on stage. Yeah. It's, it's, uh -huh. it's a performance. You're doing it with a, an audience, another person. Yeah. And uh, you, if, you uh, get into the groove after a while, but at the, the beginning, you're kind of yeah. hesitant. And, you know, what's going to happen here? Yeah. yeah. What kind of skin does this person have? What, what am I, my line's going to be clean and sharp? Or, right. Yeah. So that first tattoo was that here in Fort Bragg? It was in Santa Rosa. In Santa Rosa, yes. that's where you worked with Bert. Bert, Santa Rosa yeah. tattoo. So I did an apprenticeship with him, and uh, first year I drive down Chinchilla, and I would drive down there on uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh -huh. Do four days in Santa Rosa. Lived in that crazy van that we had. That was, uh -huh. and, uh, I was, remember that. Yeah, yeah it was a '67 Carryall uh -huh. Chevy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we just camping that. It was a cool lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. You and Chinchilla got the first shop, which around the corner from here, which is on Laurel Street in Fort Bragg, which is kind of a artsy fartsy street in Fort. Bragg. Oh, it was, and when yeah. we were there, they, and in fact, you guys made it more artsy fartsy. We were the ones that triangle. started first Friday. Yeah, yeah. Us and Eduardo Smithson, mm -hmm. a couple other artists that were around this area, and Lou's Kitchen was across the street. Yeah, and so that became a little artsy hub, and then we had galleries here. The two galleries were here already. Yeah, right, right underneath our shop. Right, and mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> yeah, but yeah, it became real 
the whole thing grew. It was mm-hmm. so, we were there at the right place at the right time. Tattooing grew more popular. Yeah. Fort Bragg became more of a, a, a tourist town. Yeah. See, we couldn't just survive tattooing locals. Yeah. We had, <clears throat> so we were here at the right time, the right place. And, yeah. And same thing with our fame or our reputation. You know, we knew all the people from San Francisco, yeah. L.A., yeah. Uh, Seattle, and we just had friendships with those people. And eventually, Chinchilla was writing for the local paper here, and then yeah. we st- both started writing for magazines, uh, tattoo magazines. Very which, cool. Yeah. yeah. So that just you know was everything was at the right time, the right place. And we networked a lot with San Francisco because there was artists there that were our age, yes. and they rose to the top. Yeah. And they always took us along, so that was did, great. Did you guys kind of get a rep so that people would come up just to, to get tattooed by you? Yes, yes. And that was just because uh, we were friendly. I knew that yeah. when I started, it was still the old-fashioned stuff. Yeah. And it was a rough place. It was in a, the tattoo shop was in a pretty rough place. You had to be kind of terse with people. Just uh, I, I'm not a fighter. I'm a yeah. pacifist. <laughs> yeah. You strike me as a very friendly guy. Right. We were friendly. That was part of the deal. Friendly, good natured, and you're both very funny people. Yeah. So I mean, you know, it's kind of an accepting thing. You right. Know? Right. Yeah. yeah making people way. feel welcome. Yeah. So that's how the reputation came here. We have a lot of people come from uh, Sacramento area, um, the city, Oregon, mm-hmm. and they're, they're, when we started our shop here, we were the only shop between Santa Rosa and Portland, Oregon. Really? Really. Uh-huh. And there was only four shops in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So we got an early start on all this. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, We've been doing it ever since. It's just crazy. Uh, people ask us, why Why are you world famous? Or why uh, Why is everybody coming to you? Well, we've just been at it a long time. And we believe that tattooing is not just the art. It's the experience. Because yeah. that's the way it was before it became commercial. It was yeah. part of rituals. and yeah. So people still get a ritualistic high when they get their first tattoos. Yeah, yeah. Now, you, we described your office here. This is his office and his, this is Mr. G's tap parlor, too. It is an extremely colorful place. There is a large picture of a tattooed lady there, very colorful. There is a beautiful uh, naked tattooed woman on the left here. Which that's from Amsterdam. Oh, yeah, that's, that's cool. Yeah, uh, see the, go ahead. See the, describe, well, please. Well, it's a Dutch ship on her thigh there. Uh-huh. And that came from the uh, red light district. There's a tattoo shop over there. It used to be called Hanky Pankies. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. one of his artists uh, painted this for us. Yeah. And it's beautiful. She's about, she's close to six feet tall, isn't she? Yeah, I think almost yeah. a full sheet of plywood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's great, yeah. Yeah, and that that's still there. And, and uh, if you go across, right across from the bulldog, that uh-huh. that thing folds up out of the, yeah. the shop's underground. Yeah. So when they open the grates up, that gal uh, folds up. Not this one, but uh-huh. there's one like that for years. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Amsterdam, and I, I'm, I've probably seen this because I've been to the Bulldog. Maybe you could tell us some of the high, the, some of your favorite pictures you know, on the walls here. Oh, just okay. give us some background, just so we could get this, oh. a couple of stories. Maybe. Oh, well, there's uh, behind you in the corner up there is a bunch of motorcycles. 
Yeah. So uh, way behind the uh, the monitor there. Okay. okay. See the, I see. Yeah. Oh, those okay. are all. Uh, that's from 1988, maybe uh -huh. 89, and uh, <clears throat> those are people I was tattooing. And that's one of the shops I worked at in Santa Rosa. And those people were all big teddy bears. They're really nice people. They were in NA and AA. Uh -huh. So they've been wild, wild bikers, but they were clean bikers. And then I got a lot of other biker things. So we started tattooing and then the bike thing, uh -huh. which helped us stay busy too. Yeah. And I used to do all the uh, motorcycle runs in California uh -huh. and, uh, in the summer. Uh -huh. So we'd be open seven days a week. Two of those days were traveling to, you know, down by uh, Lodi and Merced. Uh-huh, sure, but yeah. there's a lot of bikers down there. Yeah, My mom comes from Lodi, so yeah, yeah. there was a lot of bikers there. Yeah, so we did the bike shows down there. <clears throat> and uh, and then the, the next things are, the next most, uh, besides the antiques things in here, that sure. that antique sign there was uh, came from World War II Hong Kong. That's tattoo engraving, that one? Yeah, right they... they, they that, this is an old kind of beat-up thing, but it's in it's behind glass. And on the bottom it says tattoo engraving, and take it away, Mr. Okay, well, that came from Kowloon and one of the tattoo shops that had been there since before World War II. Yeah. And uh, Wild Total, which is another influence on us, uh, made a tour in 1970. Right. And they visited all the shops around the world. And uh, this was thrown out on uh, the awning. Uh -huh. They had removed the sign and threw it out there just to go to hell. Uh -huh. And uh, he asked if he could have it. So he brought it back in 1970. Uh -huh. And he sold that to us probably in 2005, 2010. Uh -huh. But I like it because if you have an imagination, even though it's flaking off and falling apart, it, you can still see the pinups. You can see Jesus on the cross, the ships. Uh -huh. And uh, it's yeah, yeah it's, and I have a bunch of flash from that shop, which was our tattoo designs. Yeah. That shop changed hands, and yeah. uh, we bought twenty sheets and did a book on it. Oh wow! And it's a uh, it's about uh, Hong Kong tattooing. So we have that, and then we have twenty sheets of beautiful flash. Mm -hmm. And there's a, a famous tattoo artist behind the monitor again. Uh -huh. There's a, oh, yeah. a back piece by Pinky Young. Oh, it's wow. a design. So Pinky Young is a famous tattoo artist? Well, he's dead. He's over 100 years old, but he uh -huh. started tattooing before World War II in Hong Kong. Uh -huh. He moved to Alameda and uh, was real famous in the Bay Area and around the world. He was uh, he could do tattoo with two hands. Uh, uh, a tattoo on each side, he had that kind oh, of wow. brain where he yeah. could do things twice. That's know? amazing. So yeah. Left yeah. brain, right brain experience. Right, right, right. Yeah. right. He was a great little artist. Man. And so he became a very wealthy man. Uh -huh. He owned a few blocks in uh, Vallejo. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he owned buildings. So when he retired, I don't know if, he, uh, if you've been to Hong Kong before. The no, I haven't. Oh, well, there's, Kong, a, yeah. there's a mountain there that they... Uh, they wrote all those books like Shogun yes. about uh, the colonization of uh, the Orient. Yeah. And there was a guy that was uh, in, uh, the first guy to go there and it was a big importer, exporter. Right. He built this house up right on top of the rock. And there's a very small neighborhood up there, half a dozen houses. Pinky Young bought a house up there. Oh, that's great. <laughs> great. He grew up in the slums yeah. and then he went all the way to the top through tattooing. 
So he's one of the greatest tattooists of all time, or, or at least in the last while. No, you know, there's so many, every region, every city has their, their real famous person, mm -hmm. or person that rose mm -hmm. to the top. Uh, the other people that are important in the pictures here are those, uh, the Horitoshi one is a, a friend of ours. Straight up there? Yeah, that's, that's uh, actually... Wow. Now this guy, he's completely covered with tattoos. And it's all, it, it, is it one story or is, are those multiples? Well, usually it's a blend. Uh -huh. uh, yeah, it's usually a story from their uh, myths and folklore. Yeah. And it's uh, <clears throat> traditional. It's been around for a few hundred years. And, <clears throat> you know, they, they were lower class people at one time. They were the firemen, the butchers, yeah. and ex-convicts. And they used to tattoo the convicts, so... They rebelled and covered their tattoos, and then they were disgraced because they worked so hard. Yeah. They had no shirt on and stuff, and they were carrying people on those little rickshaw things on their shoulders. Uh -huh. So uh, they put those beautiful tattoos on so they felt strong and powerful yeah. and more. And they had things on there. They weren't allowed to own a peony or a chrysanthemum because that was a royal flower. Yeah. And that's, the kind, that's why they have those flowers on them. And then they have a lot of Buddhist stuff on them, too. Yeah. That's amazing. Those guys are really completely covered, and mm -hmm. it's beautiful. Actually, the colors are extraordinary, and uh, I, it's very impressive to see. So you've also got other, you've also got a variety of, of uh, uh, seals and stuff from different places. I see a German top-notch tattooing uh -huh. from a place in Germany. There's a San Francisco one. There's, of course, triangle tattoo. There's a variety of them. I'm curious, do you have a bunch of pictures that you specialize in? Well, it's, it's changed a lot. You know, you used to have a collection of designs, which they call a flash sheet. And uh, you just, over the years, you build up a big inventory of those, hundreds and hundreds of these sheets, you know, which are kind of like the sheet up there. Yeah. Yeah. So you build up all those sheets. When you're an apprentice, like uh, Nicola right now, she's yeah. drawing her own flash. So when I started, I did all my own flash. The weird thing was, we did all those motorcycle rallies, uh -huh. and they were outdoors, and they just faded to beat hell. You know, I didn't mm -hmm. understand that you needed to protect them from the sun. Oh, I see. So, and it's hot in Southern California, or right, Central California, so yeah. we just burnt the hell out of them. We made a lot of money with it. Yeah, <laughs> Those yeah. designs are still in a storage somewhere, and I've salvaged some of them. So we used to have the walls in here with, like, you go to a, a Home Depot or something, and you want to look at all the countertops or look at all the flooring. Mm -hmm. So we had those up here from the carpet store. It used to be on the corner over there. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so we had all those designs, and people used to come up here for hours and go through them mm -hmm. and figure out what they wanted. Yeah. But now with the Internet, and they, actually the two young women that work here, yeah. they use uh, Apple iPads with the Procreate uh, pens and stuff. Yeah, sure. And they do all their drawings on them, and then they save it in a big file. Yeah. So when people ask, they want to see their portfolio or see their, it's Instagram or uh -huh. 
Yeah, so it's changed to digital. Yeah. When I first started, I thought, what the hell we need a computer for? <laughs> sure, yeah. You're independent. Now, you've got your machine right behind us, right? Oh, for breathing? Uh-huh. This okay. is for uh, COVID. Oh, I see. That's yeah, a good yeah, sorry. I use these you. hoods still. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, you had to do that while you were capturing during the COVID era. I still use it uh -huh. because, uh, you know, other viruses are going around, flu of and course. stuff. And we're, we're wearing masks as we speak, <laughs> right. so you know. Right. And then this is your colors table here. Right. This is your, yeah. And these pigments have been pretty much the same forever. Uh-huh. Some of them look. Some of them dried up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of them are. Uh, they're just dry, safe minerals. Uh -huh. They're oxidized. Everything's oxidized. Uh -huh. So it's you know burnt down. It's just like when they used to make red out of ochre or something. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. You burn it several times, the redder it gets. So the mineral part of these aren't active anymore. It's just uh -huh. an oxide that will not ferment or uh -huh. set off the body. Yeah, great. And he has he has a table here with probably dozens of colors on it. And, oh yeah. Um, he has a table just to my left is a, a a lay down table, and I guess you work with it's right by the window, so that gives you plenty of light. To oh, work with. you know these are all lights here. Mm -hmm. This one up here, I, I've switched to LED, which are pretty nice now. Yeah. Uh -huh. But it used to be just a hot old lamp, uh, which you have your face a foot away. Yeah. Sure. And in the summertime, well, it gets hot. Yeah, I bet it but, yeah, 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 rubber gloves and all yeah. that. But uh, now with the LED, they work really well. Great. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, things have progressed to some point, but it's still the same as it was 25,000 years ago. Yeah, sure. They're just putting pigment, which used to be just carbon from the fire, yeah. putting it yeah. under the skin. And the molecular size of carbon is so many uh, microns. Uh -huh. So that's the key to the pigments, is mixing the microns, filtering them, and getting to the right size. Great. Uh -huh. And a lot of these pigments, you know what you do, and you can buy them at a high-end pigment art store. Great. Uh -huh. Yeah, but you have to know which one is safe and which ones are cooked down to, you know, no, no oxidization. It's done. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're safe to go on, on a body. Inert. They're inert. inert. Yeah, they're inert, and they have the right particle size. Okay, great. Yeah, so it hasn't changed that much. Would it be okay to do a short museum tour and maybe we can. show me yeah, some yeah. of your highlights here? And Don Leslie was one of the first people we met because he would do uh, Fisherman's Wharf uh, sword swallowing. He was with the circus in mid-1950s. He was a tattooed man in the circus. So he knew all these old tattoo artists and all the tattoo history. He was also friends with Lyle Tuttle, and <clears throat> Lyle Tuttle did his chest, finished his chest off with the flags and the fire. Yeah. Now that's an interesting connection, sword swallowing and tattooing, because you say uh, uh, this is Don... Don Mike. Leslie, Captain Don Leslie. Yeah. And now, he, there's a picture of him here, and it looks like he's got like a, a pirate shield. Uh -huh. The sword is like... Uh, most 90% swallowed, uh -huh. and then there's his tattooed body right there. Right, and that was a sword that was given to him by the, one of the guys from the Doll family. Oh my. Uh -huh. Yeah, he used to know all the people in Freaks that was in the movie because he oh, was yeah. in the 50s, that was made in the late 30s. Uh -huh. And uh, that sword is an Emerson Civil War sword. Wow. And the, the, it's a straight sword, and what it is is Everybody's stomach ends at a certain point. So it's cut just an inch short of 
bottoming out in his stomach. Oh, you see, that's the uh, part. And he was known for this act here. He was the first one to do this. Uh-huh. Well, he puts a sharp edge that way. Used to, now, he's got five swords in him in his mouth here. I don't know how he's he got enough room it, for that. So he yeah. put him down yeah. uh, one way, and then he turned him, and he cut himself like that in, at an art show in Seattle. My goodness. In 1990, and he had to quit after that. Once you cut yourself, you're pretty messed up down there. That's it, that's it. Now, of course, there's, a, in addition to the Don Leslie pictures, and there's a lot of them, there is a lot of other tattoo people here. These are these are the people that made tattooing, modern tattooing, what it is today. Okay. They were involved in outdoor entertainment, and that was before TV and this was a big thing for people to go to the circus and the sideshows in the late 1800s until the 60s. And these people, this guy grew up in Chico. Now this guy is covered with tats. He is, uh, let's see, this is... Uh this fellow here, Ted Warner, was a tattooed sideshow attraction. Oh, that's a different guy. Yeah, okay, that guy was, see him. those okay. come from Folsom Prison. A lot of oh these my. guys had an alternative uh, anti-social lifestyle. He was a bank, he was a bank robber. <laughs> <laughs> this guy was just a nice old grandpa. Okay, <laughs> fair enough, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, but all these people became very rich doing this. They, yeah. they were uh, attractions, they got top billing, and then some of them tattooed, like, Oh, I have a picture of Betty Broadbent. Some of these women tattooed, uh -huh. which they made a good living doing it then. Uh -huh. uh, I have a very interesting woman here. There's uh, this lady. Princess Beatrice? Beatrice, right. Yeah. Okay. So I tattooed her granddaughter. Oh, my. Who knew her. Mm -hmm. And she lived in Galveston during the, the uh -huh. tidal wave the, and the hurricane that wiped out Galveston in uh -huh. the early 1900s. Yeah. So a friend of hers was a husband, friend of her husband who passed, rescued her. She was wandering the streets half naked. She had lost a child in that, and she was messed up in the head. Yeah. So she was walking around desperate, and uh, he rescued her, and they fell in love, and uh, he started tattooing her. She became a really famous uh, attraction. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, somebody just got a tattoo. Oh, see, that, 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 that gong is somebody actually got a tattoo, so it will be... <laughs> and it's their first tattoo. Yeah, that's great. Oh, uh -huh. I see. Uh-huh. So, anyway, this all this circus blends in with the tattooing. Now, now just to give you a notion, there, there is, there, it's chock-a-block with pictures and photos, and uh, as he mentioned, that's sort of the Don Leslie room. Uh -huh. There's some more pictures of Don, and then there's a picture of P.T. Barnum. Oh, yeah, that was his... Uh, that was his idol. Uh-huh. He did the uh, 10 things minimum. He was a talker, too. Uh-huh. He would uh, say somebody tripped and tore their dress or something. He mm -hmm. would talk on side shows, uh, get up there and show off his tattoo and tell a story. He had a big uh, rock of ages on his back. Uh -huh. He'd make up all kinds of Bible stuff. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, he was a safe cracker. He went to prison for cracking safes at yeah. one time, so he got all religious yeah. Did the Moody Bible course in prison, so he had a lot of Bible stuff to do on his rock of ages. Yeah. <clears throat> he really liked elephants. Uh huh. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Water for Elephants. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, okay. he he said that movie was uh, or the book was very authentic. Yeah. And he had an affinity. For, he that was one of his jobs when he first joined the circus at 13, 14. Uh -huh. Was uh, cleaning up elephant shit, but yeah, and you weren't supposed to be friendly with the elephants, but he was. Yeah. So he had a ten in one act, and and the tattoo part of it was, uh, you know, he started out in the fifties. So that's 
Great. And he passed in 2007. Now, so this, he, okay. this is a thing we did here. Now, here's, here's a whole bunch of uh, the tattoo designs on a wall. Uh, it's probably about 12 feet tall and about maybe 16, right, probably 14, 16. And there's a, a whole bunch of the sheets that you talked about. What are their sheets called again? Oh, these are flash sheets. Flash sheets. So what we had was uh, when the History Channel was coming up here and they wanted uh, what was happening before that we were remodeling. Mm -hmm. So I took all this flash because this wall was a mess. Yeah. And we just uh, spackled it real quick and put all these up and... Uh, Covered with glass, and we have all these measurements. If I ever want to replace the panel, yeah, I can change it. But people like this. This is all Sailor Jerry. Yeah, and uh, these are beautiful tattoo designs, uh, designed by Sailor Jerry, uh, and uh, they are extraordinary. They look like classics from the maybe 1930s or something. Uh, like yeah, that. I started out in the 30s and uh -huh. went through. This is more World War II, post World War II era uh -huh. in Hawaii. Yeah, and he was a, uh, there during World War II tattooing. Um, yeah, it's really nice because I'm going to give Nicola a tattoo that's related to this one. Oh, you are? Yeah. Great. Uh -huh. uh, and this one. Uh-huh. And uh, she's from Scotland, so I'm going to put a little Scottish flag back there. That's right. Yeah. We're going to talk to Nicola soon. And, uh, it's great. There's a whole bunch of flash. This is like a giant flash sheet. Yeah, here. yeah. That's, that's from Europe. This is a... Uh, a man we collect some of his stuff yeah he's passed uh, his name was Tattoo Oli from Copenhagen uh -huh. from a famous shop as 17 Nyhaven my it's, goodness yeah and it comes in the ship's the old dock there is, yeah. it's right across the concrete right over there <laughs> my goodness that's yeah, great so it was, yeah just across the dock yeah Oh, beautiful. <coughs> this is the workroom where uh, Nickel is working. Yeah. Sorry, I will be in uh, shortly. And He's giving me a quick tour. Yeah, and Nikki was working too, right? Yeah, she'll be here shortly. Okay. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. uh, anyway, this was Chinchilla's room. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. And this was, you know, we had the bikes and babes in my room. Right. And then she had <coughs> she had the best room, right, with this daylight. And now, here's you two as a young couple. Look That's at those two characters. Yeah. My goodness, 30, yeah. 36 years ago. I remember that, yeah. And there's that vent. Handsome couple, I might say. Oh, I'm yeah. just pointing this out, yes. Uh, yeah, full of vim mm. and vigor back yeah, then. Yeah, <laughs> There's some great couple shots of... Uh, Chinchilla and Mr. G over time, <clears throat> and it's it's actually quite cool. It's really nice, right? Yeah. So Chinchilla has been a, a shutterbug forever. Uh -huh. So we got have a lot, a lot of photographs of everything. We should mention Chinchilla yeah. is also a poet, and right. uh, she uh, going way back. She's done poetry. She's a writer, and she's also a photographer. Right, so. and she's. Well, I helped her, but with uh, she's done four books on tattooing that are well known. Hey. So this is where the women we get tattooed, and they, uh -huh. uh, well, it used to be all people that she tattooed, but some of the intermixed with cutouts from magazines and things. But uh -huh. so a lot of these are people that we tattooed. <clears throat> Yeah, these are a bunch of pictures of uh, a lot of the women who have been tattooed and uh, various other people who have been tattooed here in, in uh, Chinchilla's room. Right. My goodness, look at this one with the, the Yeah, that's a friend of ours. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, mm -hmm. uh, Raven. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, Raven Wings. Uh-huh, beautiful. She, that's her totem. She's from New York. She has some <clears throat> native uh, in her blood. Yeah. So that, that bird is real important to her. But over there, Chinchilla did a trip to India, and she documented uh, women with protective tattoos in northern India. 
Wow. There's a whole bunch of pictures on the wall here of various women in India. Obviously, Chinchilla has captured them for eternity on the wall here. So beautiful. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. So push, I think, push car in, uh, gypsies. Great. From, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. And then there's still some more pictures. There's Captain Don up in the corner there. Uh-huh. Another naked woman. Uh-huh. Rock of Ages. Uh, oh, here's some things that are cool. These are... These are Captain Don's paintings, the suitcases. Oh, great. Yeah, and those are like traditional circus things with the circus colors. And Yeah, those are beautiful. Yeah, they, they had those in Chicago uh, at the Museum of Natural History. Yeah. And they had them on display there. Great. <laughs> so those are, are those originals then? Yes. Oh, yeah. wow, beautiful. Uh -huh. they're, they look like they're, some of them are suitcases, right? Or, right, right. Uh -huh. They're for traveling costumes or... <clears throat> Parts for his axe, you know, and uh, yeah. yeah, and then he gifted some, you know, some of them got my name on it, Mr. G. Tattoo, yeah, you know? and uh, we have a whole half of a storage full of this kind of things, circus trunks, yeah, uh, travel trunks. <coughs> but anyway, crazy. yeah, that was one of our features for sure. Oh, you just did a tattoo too. Yeah, a little band logo. Okay, cool. Great. <coughs> so how long does it usually take to do a tattoo that size? Oh, it depends. That one was quick. That was maybe about 20 minutes. It was uh -huh. just a small one. I see. Great. Yeah. Well, we're going to come and talk to Nicola here in a few minutes, but uh, Mr. G's just showing me around, uh, which I'm loving. I'm enjoying it very much. So, so This is a, a little display. Lyle Tuttle passed away a couple of years ago. He was a mentor of ours because uh -huh. he was uh, popular in the 60s, uh, yeah. the Summer of Love. and. Tattooing uh, Janis Joplin and Peter Fonda, people like that. Wow, uh huh. Yeah. And uh, so that's this is to him. And then these these are some posters that we did for a tattoo magazine Centerfolds. Uh huh. Uh -huh. And that a local girl worked here at the time, and we learned how to do Photoshop. I can't remember a sure. damn thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it is kind of tricky. I have a good that one. So a uh, segue from him being a rock and roll thing. Yeah. Here's, <clears throat> so this is some gold records that were given to us uh, by Chi Chang from the Deftones. Uh -huh. And uh, he became like our adopted uh, uh, cosmic son. Uh -huh. And uh, he gave us those two gold records, but also in the albums in those years, we're inside the albums. Yeah. Where he, uh, you know, because we tattooed him. And then yeah. I, we tattooed Greg Allman up there. Wow, uh-huh. And... Uh, Buddy Guy, I was tattooed with his signature. I did a convention about two blocks from his club. Great. Uh -huh. And he signed my arm. And <laughs> yeah, hey, I bought some ribs at his place. I had good ribs. <laughs> so I got over to the artist. And that's great. Uh, there's our first sign in, on Laurel Street. Yeah, I remember when you were a young man, Mr. G. I was. Yeah. <laughs> and there's Chinchilla looking like a sailor. Oh, yeah. Like that. yeah. And she's got a mustache chiseled on there, too. As for her books, uh, uh -huh. Stude's Crude and Tattooed. Again. Again. <laughs> that's um, great. And this is just kind of a wall of people that we uh, knew and have passed. Some of them were a lot older than us, and some of them are uh, contemporaries. Uh-huh. That's great. And then in here. My goodness, now we're further into the to We're the in museum. the real museum now. Wow. Right? Uh-huh. So I, we don't have everything we own. We have samples of it up. Uh-huh. And uh, <clears throat> actually, this is where I'm getting the, the thing for uh, Nicola. 
Yeah. That one there. Oh, that's, that's great. That's from the 1920s, maybe. Yeah. It's, well, it's a sailing ship. Looks like a big clipper ship coming through a laurel kind of arrangement. Right. And it's, uh, I, I'm looking at the hats, trying to figure out what, yeah, I'd say the early 20s. Mm-hmm. This is even older. This yeah. is from the late uh, 1800s. Wow, beautiful. And yeah. the, this is tattoo machines designed by you. Actually. Oh, the whole top row. My goodness. And I've slipped in a couple others here. Yeah. But those are ones that I've designed and built. <laughs> My goodness. So you actually built those those machines. Yeah, that you know, that wow. was the first thing I did in my apprenticeship. I was handed two machines. Wow. And told to take them apart, clean them as best I could, yeah. and then put them back together. Of course, they didn't run when I put them back together because I didn't understand uh, the grounding of them. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't understand how they ran. But I learned real quick. Well, to give you some perspective, uh, listeners, there's probably about 60 machines here, I would think. Yeah. And they have uh, little solenoids or, or uh, condensers. Those are coils, just coils? like on a, uh-huh. a telegraph or a doorbell. Uh-huh. So, and they're the same system. <clears throat> they click when you close the circuit, or uh-huh. it'll pull it down and open the circuit. It's a reciprocating thing. Yeah, it's amazing. There, it's just it's just chock a block with uh, with little tattoo machines, <laughs> and they all look really intricate too. So up there is a poster that we did, mm-hmm. and that's something we actually own. There's only 19 of these in the world. This is the first electric motor uh-huh. by Edison, 1876. Uh huh. Wow. Beginning of electric motor, and it was done for making handwritten letters that you want to duplicate. Uh huh. So that that would uh, perforate. Uh, um, like a silk screen. Yeah. And uh, that's amazing. Yeah. Amazing, yeah. Now, the first tattoos were out of the South Pacific, right? Oh, no. Uh, no. Okay. They were around the whole Pacific Rim. Okay. And uh-huh. then, But they were here, in the, you know, 10,000 years ago. These are uh-huh. these are people from uh, our area. I'll be darned. Uh-huh. Yeah, that uh-huh. up by Eureka and over in Covalo. Uh-huh. And these are their tattoos. <clears throat> so there, it, it, it isn't like the Maoris who started. It was all Pacific Rim. It was well, right. very it was indigenous all cultures. All uh-huh. that old highway that of, of all the people in the world. Yeah, amazing. And so it was always important. Down here I have a, uh, these little Segura spines. Mm-hmm. Those were done out there in uh, Roosevelt National Park, wow. uh, which is the Segura people, the old ancient uh, uh, indigenous people. Yeah. And they tat, they, you know, archaeology just frowned on tattooing forever. Yeah. It was distasteful. So I was over there on a motorcycle trip. I walked straight in. I've never been to a Pueblo or anything. Uh-huh. Right ahead, there's a tattoo equipment. I know it is. Yeah. And they had recently put it out because yeah. tattooing had become more popular. Yeah. And I was fascinated by it because yeah. we're talking about the Pacific Rim. This is the same number of needles and the same when they form their point. It's the same as they use in Japan okay. and India. Yeah. It, this is a very, it looks very simple, but there are. Uh, one, two, three, six needles, and this this is something that goes back eons. Then. Eons, right? right, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, <clears throat> so that this wall is a lot of older indigenous tattoos. Uh huh. Wow. This is tremendous. This is from various cultures, indigenous tattoos, right? From around the world, really. Right. Uh-huh. And this is uh, me getting tattooed by a shaman. Up at, we snuck into uh, Burma. I'll be darned. And they're, um, they have an animist religion. It's a blend of Buddhism and mm-hmm. anim- animism. 
And then this was in a formal Buddhist temple up in northern Thailand. And that's you getting tattooed. Getting tattooed. I got okay. tattooed traditionally <clears throat> with this instrument, which is over here. Uh-huh. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. So this is an old instrument, and this was done in India, northern India, you No, said? northern Thailand. Northern Thailand, okay. Yeah. And uh-huh. it's still a part of their culture there. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, there for a while in the 50s, 60s, 70s, they, they thought it was hazy, backwoods. So they kind of become urban and more international. They yeah. walked away from it, but it came back. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Angelina Jolie was tattooed with one of these. I'll be tired. <clears throat> And this was a monk. I traded him a whole tattoo, modern tattoo set up for this. And we totally corrupted him because he quit being a monk and opened a tattoo shop <laughs> in Chiang Mai. Yeah. That was the first tattoo shop. And I think there was a, maybe one in uh, in Bangkok. Yeah, uh, uh, That's a whole tourist spot yeah. up there. He Buddhist out, approved. Yeah, Buddhist <laughs> approved. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, he let his hair go long because they yeah. always shaved their heads. So yeah, yeah, he had yeah. long hair. That, yeah, he—that's his alternative right. choice there. Uh-huh. So there is uh, us <clears throat> with uh, Horiyoshi Nakano, the th- Horiyoshi the third from uh, Yokohama. Wow! And we met them in 1987. Uh huh. That was one of the first people we met. So we've been friends ever since. Great. And him and Horitoshi were traveling together. And we met him then. <clears throat> we also met, had a, an interpreter with him. His name is Junie mm-hmm. and uh, Bill Salmon. And we became really close friends with them. They always included us in whatever happening was happening in San Francisco. That's terrific. Yeah. And so you, you're really part of an international master group who right. have been doing this for years. And, and, and you shared this culture. And this is one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast was I like to learn about stuff I don't right, know anything right. about. And, you know, here you are leading us around. The museum is massively worth visiting, just saying, folks who are listening. So, yeah, this yeah. Is, yeah so this, this was a lot of our traveling we did in 1990 because our shop was around the corner. Yeah. And it was yeah. dead in the wintertime. So yeah. we just took off on a trip. and Yeah. We haven't been able to go since. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, the last four years of yeah. COVID and stuff. So. Yeah, I'm just being working, you know. We just stayed close to our collection and our business. Yeah. But we're looking forward to that again. Yeah. Here's a pic some of the New Zealand Maoris. Right. They are famous for their tattoos. Oh, yeah. Have you been down there? No, I haven't. But Chinchilla's been there, uh-huh. uh, been there and she's mm-hmm. been to Australia, Outback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, went, she brought this... Wow. That's a real headhunter skull from, uh, she got it in Jakarta. Wow. Uh-huh. And it's engraved. Yeah. See, all these things are <clears throat> like pottery in the, for our uh, local uh, cultures, old cultures. Uh-huh. So that is a, a called a scorpion dog. Okay. And it's, <clears throat> it's this tattoo for these headhunters right here. And uh-huh. the women wear it too. It's a protection. Uh-huh. And... Uh, and so they were tattooed with <coughs> hammering this right here. I see. My yeah. goodness. Wow. Yeah. And so, and then Chinchilla was collecting these things before she had this when she went to Australia 100 years ago. Yeah. This is a really quite a room, as are the other rooms. And so there, there is not really much space on the walls that has doesn't have pictures on it of... Yeah. 
of various aspects of tattooing. So yeah, just tremendous. So I'll show you the last one. And these okay. are these are classic machines that were never uh, altered. Mm -hmm. So they're the way they came in the 20s and the 30s. Mm -hmm. And then <clears throat> I have a monkey skull down here. I like show skulls. Though. Yeah. <laughs> There's a skull here and a skull there, amongst in between the machines and the photos. And then there's so. more machines and people, uh, and then more tattoo designs up here. Some of these, that, like I yeah. said, the higher oh, yeah. they up, the more valuable they are. Some of the flash sheets up mm -hmm. there. Yeah. Uh -huh. Some of these up here are from Hong Kong. I forgot oh, to show you the picture. Uh -huh. Oh yeah. And then some of these are from, uh, like this is a person that influenced my teacher, and I like those kind of machines it's an alum, aluminum machine uh-huh and you know joe lieber and those people were really getting into aluminum in the uh, 30s and 40s do you have to then do you have to get like a metal shop to get all the pieces cut and stuff like that uh, yeah i can do it myself i have uh -huh. a machine shop in my kitchen I'll be darned. but i don't do it so much anymore because i've gone to rotaries uh-huh <coughs> are made in germany oh That's i see beautiful yeah for old people yeah, yeah, arthritis, carpet tunnel. And yeah. then this is a wall of tattoos against people's wills. These are like, we have a thing on Auschwitz. Oh, I see, of course, yes. Yeah. And then uh, some of the old convicts, there's a Olive Oatman uh, who was tattooed a figure like that in her one of the TV shows. I see, yeah. Hell on Wheels. Yeah, and well, of course, we remember, as you mentioned Auschwitz, we remember that in World War II, uh, uh, Jews were tattooed, or members of concentration camps, gypsies, right. etc., right. were all tattooed with numbers. Right. My father uh, was uh, business partners with a Holocaust survivor, and his parents had been in the camps. And he showed me his tattoo from the camps when right, I was a kid. Right, you know, right. it was kind of yeah. Daunting, we, we uh, a certain generation, we experienced that. Yeah, we saw that. Uh, so. Yeah, you know, I, I remember the first time I saw one was uh, in Seattle, uh, uh, kind of an outfitter, place for work clothes. Yeah. And this uh, man was moving some jeans for me, and his, his tattoo was showing. Yeah. And, you know, I knew exactly what it was, but first time seeing it is quite impact, big impact. Yeah, it is a big impact. So that's, uh, that's that. I got prison tattoos around the corner, but My goodness. I had to take that, some of that down because... People were coming here and tagging it. Oh, yeah. And which pissed and show off. She yeah. chased them down the street with the police. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That guy stabbed somebody two days before. That was stupid, right? So I have had a thoroughly fascinating hour plus talking with uh, Mr. G. And uh, we have talked about his career and his meeting with Chinchilla many years ago. And um, they're coming together as tattoo artists. And uh, it's been uh, terrific. And I just wanted to say, I want to thank you very much for giving us the opportunity. Yeah, it's a, it's a great history. And it's really fascinating because it was blotted out for so long. Like yeah. when we started <clears throat> tattooing, there was only a half a dozen history books on tattooing. And uh, now I have two or three libraries of it. Yeah, and, and you, guys, you guys have written four books yourself, right? right? Mm -hmm. And what are the titles of those books? Uh, Stew's Screwed and Tattooed. <clears throat> Electric tattooing by women. Uh, I think it's from 1800s to 1970 or something like that. And the same thing for men. Electric tattooing by men. And uh, a whole biography of Captain Don Leslie, which he helped us write. 
before he passed. Yeah. Well, I just found out that Captain Don Leslie was also a great sword swallower, too, which is pretty yeah. fascinating. Oh, yeah, an entertainer. Outdoor yeah. entertainer. Yeah. yeah. So I want to thank you a ton, Mr. G, for uh, filling us in on your career, which began way back in Indiana <laughs> in 1950. Oh, yeah. He, he has uh, brought his... Um, his ace art to uh, California many years ago. So thanks a yeah, bunch. You're welcome. It's good to see you again. Too. It is good to see you again, and it's a pleasure. And I'm giving my best to Chinchilla, who unfortunately couldn't join us today. Uh, I'm here with now with uh, <clears throat> Nicola Bates and Nikki Needles and Ethan. Ethan's going to get a tattoo, right? Yes. So um, I uh, was just talking with uh, Mr. G. And I'm really glad to have a chance to. Where we are is we're right here in a sort of the, the main bay window uh, part of the Triangle Tattoo place. And uh, how long have you been here, uh, uh, Nikki? I moved here officially in 2016. Oh, great. So you've been doing you've been doing tattoos here for Triangle for the last six years now. Yes, yes, but I was officially licensed in 2001. Oh, okay. Yeah, on the East Coast, though. Where did you move up from? Uh, well, I was in the Chico area before I moved here, uh -huh. and before there I was in Tennessee. Oh, I see. And were you doing tattoos back there? I was, absolutely. Yes, I've been tattooing consistently since 2001. So, wow. Yeah, okay. everywhere. I can't even believe it's gone that far, you know? That's great, yeah. Now, Nicola, are you officially the uh, apprentice, or have you moved into the um, a journey person at this point? Uh, yeah, probably would just depend on who you ask, I think. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah. Hmm, I guess journey person with it technically. You're still an apprentice, but yeah, she's operating. Yeah, Definitely yeah. operating, for yeah. sure. Well, I was just learning that uh, uh, Mr. G was, uh, while he was being an apprentice, he was learning how to make the machines. Yeah. Yes. And I thought, I was in, I was impressed. I thought, you know, how do you put these things together? Oh, yeah. Have you done any of that yet, Nicola? Yeah, he's showing how to make these machines, actually. Oh, my. Look, did you know about this, Ethan? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Goodness. Yeah, so we, we did some, oh, in the winter goodness. time, it gets a little bit slower, so we've been getting to do cool projects. That's like great. Like building these machines. Take a look. It is amazing. Because um, I had no idea you had to do that as part of your apprenticeship. Too, yeah. So. yeah, one of the first things he did was give me one of these and tell me to take it apart and put it back together and see if it would turn on. Yeah, <laughs> that, that apparently is how he got started. Uh, so I guess he's passing that on to you. Yeah. So you guys here, um, I just I came in shortly with Mr. G, but um, if you wouldn't mind sort of describing your, your workshop. Looks like you've got two tables. Uh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Most of our work is done on these craftsman desks, which are really convenient. You know, essentially a toolbox for all your gear. It's easy to keep clean. This is what you would call an open format shop, so we don't have a desk person or somebody to check you in. You can come in, look around, or technically a street shop. Mm -hmm. Again, look around, and then if we have room, we'll tattoo you. Uh -huh. <laughs> if we like it. I like that attitude. <laughs> and so, uh, Nicola, when you first came here, did you come here to get a tattoo and then think, I'd sure like to work here, or how did that uh, work? Well, I've always been interested in tattooing and been hanging out in tattoo shops and mm -hmm. started hanging out here on the weekends and making myself useful answering phones and mm -hmm. mopping the floor and eventually the opportunity came up to, to apprentice and start to learn how to tattoo. Yeah. Now, uh, Nikki, did you think, what's this kid doing? She's obviously trying to get a job here. I mean. Well, when I got here, she was our Saturday help, you know, and uh -huh. so I was new to the scene in this area, and it was it's kind of an interesting time when I came here, um, because, we, you know, at the time it was, of course, pre-pandemic, so we were extremely busy, doors were open, 
I'm used to that as working, you know, street shops or working in a military base where, you know, it's fast paced. Mm -hmm. um, we had another artist here who was trying to transition out. So I was taking that workload and then working with guest artists. And then fortunately at that time, Chinchilla became very ill. So uh, I had to step mm -hmm. into more of an administrative role and then run mm -hmm. this. And yeah. Nicola was here, you know, showing me the ropes and things and helping me out on Saturdays, you know, yeah. how to do this or, you know, how to deal with certain systems that were different, like with Chinchilla and things like that. So it, it, she expressed interest in tattooing, but at the time, Mr. G. Chinchilla and I, we had all agreed that we weren't going to do any apprentices, you know. Uh -huh. um, mm -hmm. And then we wound up having to hire an artist. That didn't go right. The pandemic hit, and we're like, well, if we need help, and we want somebody good. She's been here all along, you yeah. know, and yeah. it, it seemed like a natural fit. So personally, yes, I have seen a lot of people come into the tattoo industry, and I'm like, oh, God, why are you here? Please don't. But yeah. I think this... Nicola's a great fit. Yeah. Great fit for the you know yeah. for the industry. Yeah. Now Nicola had also well has and still is a painter as well. I know you 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 really want to make a living as a tattooist now, but you've been doing painting for years, haven't you? Yeah, just as kind of like a side project. Just mm -hmm. yeah, because I do enjoy doing art. I didn't do art for a long time and got back into it you know, three years ago with the starting painting murals and mm -hmm. and then having little art shows around town at coffee shops and things mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Well, we enjoy it. In the interest of uh, journalistic honesty, I have to admit, Nicola's my neighbor. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I thought she said she was doing more work with you guys and uh, she, wanted, she was going to be a tattoo artist. And I said, do you think maybe I could uh, come and interview you guys for our podcast? That yeah. We do art interviews with artists, basically. Yes. And so, um, and she goes, well, okay, I guess I could talk to her. So anyway, long story short, I managed to uh, trick my way in. Which is good that way. So, were you also doing different kind of art? Always, yes. Uh -huh. I used to run a mural business. Um, oh, cool. uh -huh. Used to do a lot of painting for, gosh, all kinds of things. And then as well as just uh, freelance painting for myself. Um, uh -huh. And then tattooing, yeah. All kinds of art. You know, are some of those your pictures? Yeah, every one of them. Every one oh, of them. those are great. Thank you. Them. Not this uh, painless pen painted this. This uh -huh. wall, I'm going to go eventually and put my work on that. But, uh -huh. you know. It can be yes. slow sometimes but yeah a lot of painting a lot of sculpting mixed media all that uh -huh. absolutely that's great it's a beautiful studio here you have the flash sheets that are from triangle uh do you also have your own designs that you're doing now or yeah i've been mm -hmm. working on these flash sheets around my station here mm -hmm. and all these ones in this frame and then i have a a book that i'm keeping all the overflow so i'm we working should... on all my designs right now and just trying to showcase different things and yeah, maybe someone beautiful. will pick one of them <laughs> yeah there are we should describe just a couple of them there's one beautiful colorful fishes they look like a combination of maybe japanese fish designs and they're also kind of cartoony then there's colorful butterflies then there's black and white dinosaurs and then there's sort of a kind of interesting birds that one eagle guy has some sort of flames coming out of his head, which is kind of <laughs> cool. So when you come up with some new designs, do you ask that you can, you know, do them as part of the repertoire, or you know? No, I just do, do them for myself, and yeah, a lot of inspiration from around the shop, and mm -hmm. it's a, a good thing to do when you're, you know, a newer artist is just working on your design skills. So when something comes in the door, it's easier to draw something up. And, and get going on the tattoo. Great, great. Now I know you're originally from Scotland. Yes. And Mr. G was just saying he's going to do a tattoo for you 
which is a clipper ship with yes. the Scottish flag on it. Yes. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, that would so, be very yeah. cool. That's yeah, great. I've been bugging them for it, so I think we're going to do it soon here. That's great. Yeah. That's great. And, uh, and Nikki, what about some of your favorite designs? Or Yeah, I've been on this journey for over 20 years, yeah. so yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I was actually thinking about bringing some of my old flash in to show Nicola. Um, you know, just it's really cool to, to have that. But yeah, absolutely, tons of that. But generally, I'll just draw stuff on people, you mm -hmm. know? And, it, and it's good to have your flash sheets and things like that. Um, if you have the time, I don't have the downtime to do that, unfortunately. Yeah, anymore. Are incredibly popular. Yeah, I artists. do 90% of the work that comes through this building. Uh -huh, so, I mean, can, I would see. love to, but mm. after tattooing for several hours and designing tattoos for several hours and then having room to live, I just uh, can't imagine having to paint another flash sheet yeah. in my life. But when I was little, when I was a little tattered, yeah, yeah. for sure, tons uh -huh. of them. Yeah, yeah, I was looking at her butterflies. I was like, oh, I've got to bring those ones, the ones I did probably in 2002. Mm -hmm. I have some, and I was like, oh, it's so cute, too, because, like, back in the day, when we were doing our flash designs, we were gravitating away from traditional designs at that time, you know, and that's just 20 years ago. Yeah. It, the traditional designs are so great in popularity now, um, you know, as fads flip and flop, but mm -hmm. back then, it was an issue of consistency of line work, and people were trying to make tattoos look more like airbrush, you know, yeah. with fine lines, and even at the time, Cherry Creek was one of the finest selling flash sets. You know, he was an airbrush artist, you know, so everybody was focusing on that. Um, so you see, like, the flash that I would draw 20 years ago, very fine line, very realistic, you know, and it's beautiful to see on the inverse of that where you can focus more on color, you know, and form and things like that. It's neat to see the flip in it, you know. But as far as it goes, if I'm producing any art, it's for art shows and, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. things that I'm commissioned to do. But no, yeah. no more flash. Ethan's like a walking flash sheet for an issue. Yeah, he just walks in. Have, how many tattoos have you had, Ethan? I'd say around probably 11 or 12. Mm -hmm. Wow. When did you get your first one? When I was 18 Uh huh. in Roseville. It's rad, too. Tattoo company. Oh, Last cool. Name. Uh huh. Galetti? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so I think you did that Onk and the Spiderweb. Yeah. yeah. Great. Rose, Yeah. His awesome Buddha meditation. Buddha. Very cool. Yeah, on the back yeah. of his leg, he's got a really We love this one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my. Oh, the yeah. And see, things like this that. This is on the back of Ethan's calf. Uh, there it looks like a, uh, it's an eagle kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh -huh. Bird of prey. Bird of prey. Very cool. Thank you, Ethan. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. So like I, he just comes in and says, hey, I have this idea for something like he's doing today. And he wants some writing on the side of his arm. And he just gives me an idea. And then mm -hmm. I sketch something up. And if he likes it, we do it. You know? And if not, I'll just draw another one. What's a typical day for you guys? How many tattoos do you do in a day? It's so varied now. It's so mm -hmm. varied. We just, this is our first week with our door open, like, since, gosh, July, 4th of July last year was the last mm -hmm. time. Um, mm -hmm. It used to be where, yeah, it'd be easy for me to see 50 people in here a day, and tattoo-wise, you know, I could do 10 sometimes. Sometimes you do one. You know, mm -hmm. it depends. When I'm busy season, mm -hmm. I'm lined up. Like, uh -huh. being able to sit like this and have this moment between us, impossible, yeah. you yeah. know. But uh -huh. it's trickling back. So today I have two, uh -huh. you know. I'm working on a larger back piece, and then my friend the snake here. But uh -huh. hopefully people will wander up the door, you know, and, uh -huh. and, and get some more tattoos. But, uh, uh -huh. yeah, pre-pandemic, it could be anyone's guess. You know, I'd be here until 10 o'clock at night. I'd show up a little bit before noon and not leave till about 10. Mm-hmm, yeah. That's a lot. Well, you know, it's amazing. Here it is. For years, I've walked back and forth by here, and I was telling Mr. G, I was always kind of a scaredy cat about tattoos. 
because uh, my dad got one when he was a dr- drunken evening in the Navy in the <laughs> Korean War. And he always said, don't ever get a tattoo, whatever you do. No. You can't get rid of it. Those days, you know, you had to slice it off or something. Yeah. But I have to say, this probably is the coolest place on the Mendocino coast. It's very cool. Yeah. It is way cool. And the museum, it's, it's just great. And it's a beautiful place. And I've been delighted to have a chance to talk to Mr. G. And, Isn't he amazing? Yeah, He's and, just something. Yeah, and to Nikki Needles and to Hi. Nicola Bates. So thank you. And to Ethan, thank you for being uh, the customer involved with this podcast. So. Thanks for coming in and hanging out yeah, with thank us. Thank you very thank much. You. So cool. Cheers. Thanks to our artists, activists of the show, the tattoo artists of Triangle Tattoo and Museum, Mr. G, Nikki Needles, and Nicola Bates. Our production team includes Techmeister Marshall Brown, Jack-of-all-trades Ken Krause, writer-interviewer Doug Nunn, and our logo designer Daniel Stieglitz. Don't be an airhead. Get out there and do something creative. Dabble in something that inspires you. Read something challenging. Expand your perspective. Our aim is to give you an international outlook on the arts and a critical look at world politics. Salute the power of creativity and foster international solidarity. Make Mother Earth great again. Support for Snap Sessions is brought to you by listeners who contribute generously at our link, patreon.com forward slash snap sessions, or through the link in the Snap Sessions website, thesnapsessions.com, and also the link in our show notes.